Good morning. We got a special song for you. We hope it'll inspire you and get you revived. Now, listen to the words, and I hope it inspires you to do what we say here in just a morning to stand up for Jesus. And listen, here we go. Ready? Choir. We'll have a little fun here. Here we go.
Praise the Lord. Good morning, Brinesburg. On another rather cold Sunday morning, we have a reason to rejoice and be excited because we are here to worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And for those of you uh, who are joining us through television or through Facebook Live, we want to welcome you. I'm Brother Brad Walker. I'm the pastor here at Brinesburg Baptist Church. And for those of you on Facebook, if you will, there in the comments section, uh, let us know of your attendance. And uh, there uh, you can also let us know if you have any prayer requests. And so glad to have you with us this morning. For those of you, this may be your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg. We want to welcome you. And if you uh, would, please fill out that card that's in front of you there in the pew and place it in the offering plate there in the round table in the foyer. It helps us to know of your attendance and how we can minister to you and your family. And glad to have you this morning. Again, we do have a lot going on. Hope you've looked at your bulletin. It's an exciting time of year. A lot of special things going on uh, for all different age groups within the church family. Uh, our choir is back into, into uh, full rehearsal mode. And so uh, if you would be here at 430 choir. And if you've uh, been thinking about joining up, you still have time. And uh, getting ready for Easter, getting ready for each of our Sunday morning times together. And so invite you to join us at 430. Our team kid Valentine party will be this Wednesday night during Team Kid at 7 o'clock, and so uh, kids recognize that. Also, the youth will be having their Super Bowl party uh, next Sunday night, start at 5 o'clock, and somebody invited them over to their house, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and then also, our sanctity of life. If you have those baby bottles, and maybe you're like our family, and it's on a shelf somewhere, it's time for that to come back, and it needs to be filled with coins or, or bills or a check of some kind, and a wonderful way for us to be able to support the Hope Clinic here in Marshall County. And so if you've not yet brought that back to the church, uh, begin doing that. And those are due back by the 20th. Um, you see the opportunity for disaster relief there as well. Also, uh, Amor Luncheon with, uh, with William. If you're interested in one, one of our mission teams, you've been uh, to Brazil and want to uh, meet with William and hear how things are going right now. Uh, with that ministry, uh, we'll be doing that on March the 8th for lunch, and just let us know if you'd like to attend so we kind of get a number of how many we need to be prepared for. And so, a lot going on. Uh, again, many on our prayer list. we got some folks that are really struggling right now, uh, especially health-wise, and certainly want to pray for them. Um, several who are going through um, some pretty severe cancer treatments right now, and uh, just this is a difficult time with the weather the way it is and everything else, and so I certainly want to pray for those folks. Uh, but then also, uh, just for each other, this has been a difficult uh, two months right now uh, for so many of you. And just pray for one another and, and looking for those opportunities to, to continue to love on each other and to love on our neighbors. But most importantly, looking for the opportunity to be able to share the gospel. And I know many of you have already given that testimony of the Lord's giving you that opportunity, maybe with a family member or a, a friend or a neighbor that you've been able to minister to in a tangible way over the last couple months. Uh, continue to look for those opportunities. People uh, are very receptive to the gospel message right now. They're very receptive because Jesus is the answer. And that's what people are looking for right now is, is how do I make sense of all this? What, what, what hope do I have? And we know that comes in relationship to Christ. And so uh, continue to be faithful in those opportunities the Lord may give. Uh, so uh, as we continue to lift up all these needs, let's go to the Lord and pray together. Lord, help me, Father, we do thank you for the opportunity on another Sunday morning to come and to lift up our voices to you in praise, to stand up and, and to give praise to you for all that you have done and for who you are most importantly. And this morning as we continue to, to sing of who you are and as we, as we talk about prayer this morning and what it means, the privilege to be able to enter into your throne room, Lord, I pray that it would stir our hearts 
And Lord, that we would be uh, passionate about the opportunities that you give us to spend time with you, to be a part of what you're doing. And so this morning, I know there are many who are hurting, individuals that are struggling health-wise, who have gotten difficult diagnoses this, this last week, and we pray for them. Uh, Lord, we pray for the upcoming surgeries and treatments. Uh, Lord, we pray for, for caregivers, Lord. We pray for broken relationships inside of homes and maybe even within the church family, Lord. Lord, that you would bring reconciliation. But most importantly, this morning, we pray for the lost. And we pray for the one who may be here or watching on television or on Facebook Live that doesn't yet know you as Savior and Lord. That today they might recognize their lost condition and their desperate need for a relationship with you. And Lord, that as we leave this place, that each and every one of us, wherever we find ourselves, that we might recognize that we have truly met with you and that you have changed our hearts and you've changed our lives. And we're ready for another week of ministry to those folks that you've called us to. Have your will, have your way during this hour. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I am not skilled to understand what God has will, what God has planned. I only know at His right hand stands one who is my Savior. I take Him at His word and Christ died to save me, this I read. And in my heart I find the need of Him to be my Savior. That He would leave His place on high and come for sinful men to So once they are before, before I knew my Savior, sing it out. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always gonna be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always. My soul is 
Amen. Thank you, Hannah. Wow, if that time of worship together hadn't gotten your spiritual fire burning, your wood is wet. Uh, what a good worship experience we've had this morning. And if you will, turn with me in your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 as we continue our study through the Gospel of Matthew. And over the next few weeks, um, we're going to continue here in chapter 6. And we're going to kind of go through a little mini-series on the subject of prayer. And we're going to begin that this morning uh, with looking at praying rightly. And we'll be looking at verses 5 through 8 this morning. So as you turn there to Matthew 6, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, we do thank you for this time that we've been able to lift up our hearts and our voices to you. Lord, we, after some of the week that we've had, Lord, we, we needed this time together. We needed this time of corporate worship. We needed the opportunity just to cry out to you for who you are. And Lord, uh, to be able to spend time in prayer and in your word. And I'm so thankful this morning that we're uh, focusing on this, this subject of prayer and what, what prayer means, what the privilege of prayer means to us and the power that there is in prayer. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would uh, speak, to my, speak through me and, and speak to hearts today uh, as only you can. I recognize I'm a weak vessel, and I pray that you'd hide me, hide me behind the cross and only you be seen and heard. And, Lord, that hearts would be touched today by your word. If there's even one here and they don't know you as, as Savior and Lord, I pray that you'd touch their heart, help them to recognize their lost condition and, and their need for you, and that they might be saved today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like many of you, this has been a difficult year for me, and I would say that in the past year, um, I've really learned what is most important to me in life. Uh, that's become uh, crystal clear. And when I think about it, since Robin and I got married, and probably um, much longer than that, I haven't gone very many days where I haven't talked to my parents, at least if I'm within, uh, you know, phone range. There's been some, some weeks on mission trips and that kind of thing where I didn't have cell phone reception, but there haven't been too many days in a row that I haven't had the opportunity uh, to talk to my parents. And those calls are, are usually really just a few minutes long, and they're filled with, with what's going on in, uh, during that day and what the upcoming events many times are for the kids and, and, and catching up on what's going on uh, with the rest of the family qu quick each morning. Um, but since my mom's passing this past year, um, I just keep on thinking back to how thankful I am for those daily times of communication. And that's just become a real treasure to me. And I'm so thankful that that, that was something that I have invested in on a daily basis for so long. And even now, uh, my dad and I continue to talk uh, every morning uh, on my way to work. I'll, I'll call him and make sure that I know what's going on with him for the day and he knows what's going on with me, that I know if there's anything that he might need. And we're just catching up with each other and making sure we know what's going on in each other's lives. And I think it's because we really value it even more now than we've perhaps did in the past, because we know, uh, we know, but because of what life is, that those talks, those daily times to be able to talk together, they won't last forever. There will be a point when those talks will have to wait for a season until we all enjoy that great homecoming day. And so with that in mind, I have to say that of all the privileges that I enjoy as a child of God, Perhaps the greatest of those privileges to me is the privilege of prayer. To be able to go directly 
into the presence of the Lord is an honor beyond description. And to be able to speak to the God who created and the God who controls the universe and to know that he has promised to hear me and to know that he's promised to answer me is a blessing that is beyond comprehension for us as mortal man. When you consider the fact that the real prayer is, is the real power in prayer is not really found in, in, the, in the words in which we speak, um, but it's found in, in who Christ is. That, that real prayer is about uh, the, the condition of our heart before the Lord. It boggles the mind that, that God would desire to hear from us, his children. But that's, that's what he tells us throughout scripture. And so what a gift it is that we've been given to be able to go directly into the throne room of God. We're going to talk about that in more length here in a minute. But to think about what a privilege that is, that we don't have to go through anyone else, but we go directly to him. What a privilege is ours to be able to speak to God and know that he will hear and know that he will answer, knowing that he has invited us to be involved with him and the work that he is doing. But like anything else in life, we as humans can mess up anything, and we can mess up even this profound, beautiful blessing, which is prayer. Since the time of Seth, we see there in Genesis chapter 4, man has been crying out to God. Many have prayed properly and have been blessed by God because they have entered into that throne room as he has heard those prayers and as God has answered. Others have prayed out of wrong motives and have received nothing to the answer to those requests because they did not come to him in the proper manner. And in these verses, Jesus is exposing some of the problems in prayer that were rampant in the first century. He condemns the uh, pretentious prayers here of what he speaks of as the hypocrites or the uh, religious elite, the, the, those who thought that they, they had the program all together and they, they, had, they had it all figured out. Uh, Jesus tells us that their prayers will amount to nothing because they did not pray rightly. And so look together this morning at what Jesus said about this matter of prayer and how we can rightly pray. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet, and when thou hast shut that door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetition, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. You may be seated. So this morning, I want you to see how we can learn how to pray rightly. And the verse, first thing I want you to see here is here in verse 5. And it cautious public prayer. Now the reason for that is the Jewish nation was a blessed and a privileged people. God had chosen them. Uh, God had given the Jewish people the law. He had promised to send Messiah through the, the Jewish people and gave them access to him in a unique kind of way. And they, of all people, should have known how to 
talk to God in a personal and in an intimate way. But over the years, many heirs had worked their way into Jewish worship and into Jewish prayer life. And these problems are what Jesus begins to refer to here in Matthew chapter 6. And so a quick rundown of some of those errors, I believe, is in order because I believe some of the issues, some of the errors, some of the mistakes that were being made in their prayer lives are, are still being seen in our modern day prayer lives as well. And so one of the first things that we see is prayer had become nothing more than a ritual. And so the Jews prayed, but their prayers were scripted and they were formed. Uh, the form w was set in what they were going to do each and every time they came to him. And so they either quoted from memory or, or they read them. And thus a Jew could pray and pray and pray and never really think about what they were saying. Because it was all memorized. And so if you've ever seen footage today of, of Jews praying at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem... Many times that's what you're seeing is those rehearsed and memorized prayers just being offered over and over and over again. And so every morning and every evening, faithful Jews would repeat the Shama. And this prayer was, uh, was formed from select passages from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 13 through 21, and from Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through 41. And often the, often the, the Shema was, was kind of abbreviated. By just speaking that which is found there in Deuteronomy 6.4. The Lord our God is one Lord. And, and they would just go from there. But another prayer they prayed morning, noon, and night was the Shimon Ezra. Which means the 18. And this was a series of 18 prayers. And all of those addressed different aspects of life. So these were written out, memorized prayers. And the faithful Jew would pray all 18 of those prayers three times a day. So regardless of, of where a Jew was or regardless of what they were doing, at the third hour, at the sixth hour, and at the ninth hour, they would stop what they were doing and they would go through these 18 necessary prayers. And of course, some could have prayed those, absolutely could have prayed those in sincerity, but as anything... For many, it was simply following ritual. Well, why do you do it? Well, because that's what we do. We, we go through and we say these things. It's what we do. But secondly, predetermined prayers were formulated for every aspect of life. Every conceivable turn of life had a prayer that had been developed to deal with that aspect of life. This also led to prayer being something that could be recited from the head without ever really affecting the spirit without ever really having to be thought about to a place of, of, of understanding what was being lifted up. And there's a modern trend in that direction today that we see availability of, of pre-written prayers in books and, and just going through and reading things like that. Uh, but also prayer was limited to preset times and occasions. Now, wow, if that's not something that is common today as well. Instead of praying when they felt led to or when need arose, they had become routinely set to particular times that they would pray. Jews and Muslims and other groups still today do this in a very formal way. But we need to remember that there's nothing wrong with praying at a predetermined time each day. In fact, I have um, 
alarm set in my phone where I pray about specific th- times of day for specific things, but we're called upon to be in an attitude of prayer always. And for it not to become just routine to us, but for us to understand what that means each time we come before him. Also, fourthly, long prayers were held in high regard. Um, so the Jews believed that the longer, uh, the, the more elaborate the prayer, the more likely it was that that prayer was actually going to be heard by God. So Jesus warned against that, that practice. Nothing wrong with, with longer seasons of prayer. There's nothing, that's not what he's saying here. As long as the Spirit is moving in it. But when the person prays a long time to impress others, which is what he's speaking to here, it's what he was speaking to about the Jewish religious leaders doing, they have crossed the line into pretense. But fifthly, many prayers were comprised of meaningless repetition. And so the Jews were notorious for repeating phrases and, and simply adding adjectives to the name of God, thinking that, that if they made the prayer long enough, if it stretched on long enough, that God would hear them. And what Jesus is saying here, he says, that's what the heathen do. He says, that is a pagan practice. And sadly, it is found in many Christian circles today is we just drag on just saying one thing after another, not really thinking about it, but we just need to pray a long time. That's what we need to do. And also, sixthly, the desire to be seen and heard of others. And this is the worst offense of all, really, is what Jesus says here. That prayer had ceased to be about simply communion with God and had denigrated into an attempt to impress others. This is the attitude that Jesus is dealing with in these verses. And so we also see here that we are to be a, to be beware of wrong motives. Beware of wrong motives. God tells us that prayer is not about being seen and heard by others. That's not what prayer is about. But prayer is a time of personal communion with God. Many have read these verses and they conclude that that means that we should never have public times of prayer. That is not Jesus's point here. That that is not true. Jesus was not forbidding public prayer in any way, but he was telling men to beware of who their audience was. When we pray in a public way here at Brinesburg, I don't care what you think of my prayer because it's not for you, it's for Christ. It's an audience of one. And so we may be praying in public, but it matters who we are praying to, who we desire to, 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 to move, and it's our desire to, to move the heart of God. If men were praying in public to be seen and heard by others, then they had totally missed the point of prayer. And so prayer is about a man entering into the presence of God to have communion with him, not to impress men. But also beware of wrong methods. These people, Jesus called hypocrites, were guilty here of standing in public places. So he speaks specifically of synagogues and and the busy street corners, he says, and praying loud, long prayers. Their desire was to impress others with their piety and and how religious that they could be and how religious they could sound. Jesus soundly condemns that kind of praying because it draws attention to man rather than to God. People were looking and saying, oh, wow, look at those Pharisees. They know how to pray. Oh, man, can you believe how, how, how righteous they are? Can you hear their words? It glorified the flesh and not the Father. And again, there is nothing wrong with praying in public. There's nothing wrong with a person standing up in a, in a public pray, place to pray. 
God is not concerned about the posture of the body. He is concerned about the attitude of our hearts. And so if a person's public praying is different than their private praying and is designed to appeal to uh, the sensibilities of man instead of pointing men to God, then it points to hypocrisy and pretense is what Jesus is warning of here. It is a blessing to hear some people pray. And it's a blessing because they pray in such a way that you realize that they don't care what you think. That is what is the blessing about it. You hear them praying and you're like, this is not for me. They are speaking to their father. And it, it, I just get to, I get to kind of eavesdrop in on that. And it's a blessing because you're like, wow, they are truly speaking to the father. And they don't care what anybody else thinks. There's a personal, um, there, there's a personal intimate characteristic to those kind of prayers. They aren't talking to you. They're talking to God, their Father. The story is told of Bill Moyers, who was on President uh, Lyndon Johnson's staff. And one day, um, he was asked to say the blessing at a meal at the White House. And as he began to, to pray, he, he was praying very quietly to the Lord. And he was interrupted by President Johnson, who said, Hey, speak up, Bill. I can't hear what you're saying. To which Bill Moyers replied, I wasn't speaking to you, Mr. President. And that is the attitude. That is the essence of prayer. That it doesn't matter who else may be in the room. It's not about impressing men or women, boys or girls. It's about communicating with the Lord. It's about communicating with our Heavenly Father. But secondly, look at verse 6. And this is concerning private prayer. Concerning private prayer. Having told his men how the hypocrites pray, Jesus proceeds to tell them how they should pray. And, and why the warning and why the guidelines for prayer here? Even in an activity like prayer, there is still the danger that the flesh is going to get involved or that we will be led astray by Satan. Two of Satan's strongest attacks against Jesus came during times of intimate communion with his father. We see that in Matthew chapter 4, um, in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And then we see it in Luke chapter 22 uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane just before going to Calvary. And we see the intimate time of communion with Jesus with the Father. And we see that is where Satan says, whoa, there's too much, there, there's, there's too much communication going on with the Father right now. I, I need to get involved here. I need to try to interrupt here. So if Jesus was attacked by the devil, then you and I can expect that same treatment when we get serious about prayer. Satan will try anything he can to hinder your prayer life. When you begin to really get close to the Father, Satan's going to take notice of that. And so he will try to get your flesh involved if he can do that. He will turn your prayer time into a time of, of self-promotion and, and of self-centeredness. And here is what Jesus says about our private prayer time. First, real prayer is a priority. Real prayer is a priority. When thou prayest. Did you hear what he said there? When thou prayest. Jesus does not say if you pray. He says when you pray. It is an expectation that God has that we, his children, will come to him and that we will pray. We are commanded to pray. And since we're told to pray, we must make prayer then 
a priority in our life. If prayer is not made a priority in your life, listen to me, you will never pray. And some of you know that because maybe you've had seasons in your life where you didn't make it a priority and you realize it's not something that just happens. You do have to prioritize it. You do have to plan it. And so it's, it's sad, but it's true that some people only pray when they are in public or when they go to church or when they go to a prayer meeting. There, there is no real private prayer time in their life. And that should never be for the child of God. Communion with God should be the highest priority that we have each and every day. You will never grow in the Lord beyond the depth of your prayer life. And so if, you, if you're too busy to pray, then you're too busy. And, and so make prayer the priority. But also, real prayer is personal. Real prayer is personal. In contrast to the hypocrites who like to pray in public places to be seen of others, Jesus tells his people to go into a private place and pray. He he says, go into that prayer closet and pray. There are things that need to be said in prayer that do not need to be heard in earshot of others. And when we pray in private, we can have the liberty to declare all of our heart to the Lord without worrying about what anybody else thinks. We can pray about personal and private matters that, that might be embarrassing if we were to pray those things in front of others. We're able to really be who we are with the Lord. We can call out the names of people who are on our hearts, the burden that we have for them. We can, we can pray that out loud, and sometimes that might not be appropriate in a public setting. We can be honest with the Lord. We can be humble. Uh, we, we can humble ourselves before Him and, 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 and truly be who He's called us to be. We can be who we really are. In private prayer, there is, there is no one else to impress. And so it is our time with God. And so the question comes, do you have, do you keep a regular time of private prayer with the Lord on a daily basis? Is that something that, that you have prioritized to the place of you're like, yes, I, I have a time during my day. And it may not always be the same time, but I have a time during my day where it is just me and the Lord. Like I said, I have a, I have a time that I, that I call my, my dad on a daily basis. And I have a time when I cry out to my Heavenly Father on a daily basis. And both of those are at planned time because I want to make sure that I have that communication. If you don't plan it, it will not happen. And again, there's nothing wrong with praying as a, as a group. Um, we, we look at verse 9 here. And he says... After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. By, the, by the, the fact that he uses that word, our Father, it implies that there are times when we're going to pray in a corporate setting. Uh, he doesn't say my Father, he says our Father. So, so we are commanded to pray in, 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 a, in a corporate way, in a, in, a, in a group kind of setting at times. But still, there is nothing more precious than spending time alone with God in private prayer but also real prayer is precious real prayer is precious when jesus uses that phrase pray to thy father which is in secret he is he is referring here to the very dwelling place of god and i want us to all really hone in here and really listen some of you have been asleep for a few minutes so you can wake up and 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 i want you to hear why this is is so special for the jew for us this may seem commonplace 
But for the Jew, listening to the words of Jesus, this was a startling revelation. Because for centuries, the high priest was the only one who had ever been allowed into the holy of holies. No one else. One man, once a year, and only with the blood to atone for his sins and the sins of the people could go into the holy of holies, could go into where God was actually dwelling at here on this earth. Only one man, only once a year, only with blood. And so the holy of holies, the the dwelling place of God, was an off-limits place for the average Jew. And Jesus here, he tells us that today, because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary, that when we enter into a genuine prayer time before the Lord, that we are able to enter into the secret place with him. What is the secret place? It is the holy of holies. And we are entering in with blood, the blood of Jesus. Literally, we are allowed access into the holy of holies, not here upon this earth, but in heaven itself. That is what you are doing when you pray. That, that should get more than a response of, of, okay. Do you understand? what Jesus' blood was shed for you to enter into that place. It is a privilege beyond belief. So when we pray, and when we pray properly, we are allowed access into the very throne room of grace, the very throne room of God, the very holy of holies in heaven itself. We do not have to have some human priest who stands before us, but it is through our one mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have access to the very throne of our heavenly Father And we have the privilege, the privilege during these seasons of private prayer to step out of this world for a time. And I need that. Do you right now? We get to step out of this world. And for that moment in time, for that time with him, we step into the presence of God. And we step into communion with him in heaven. I need that. I can't make it through a day without that. It literally takes us into the presence of God. It brings us into God's presence. It brings us near to him on a daily basis. That is is the access that you have as a child of God. But also real prayer is powerful. We're told, thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So when we pray to the Lord out of a sincere desire to have communion with him, He will honor our faith and our humility, and he'll answer in such a way that it will demonstrate the fact that we have been with him. That these are not just words that are just flying up into the air, hitting the ceiling and going no further. That that, that they have truly reached God in heaven. If we will refrain from showing off in prayer, then he will show out in his answers to prayer. Jesus is telling us that when prayer ceases to be about us and our being seen by others and it becomes all about him, then we can expect him to move in response to our prayers. Brian, you see, those who pray for the applause of others get exactly what they desire. Those who pray to impress others, they'll usually usually do what they wanted to do. They'll impress others. People will say, whoa, they have a 
man, they know how to use those 50-cent words, don't they? Man, they really know how to, how to speak, don't they? That, that was a great public prayer. And they'll get the applause of men. But those who see prayer as a time of private communion with the Lord are not concerned with personal glory. See God move in mighty power and, and, and set all in his glory. But then lastly, I want you to look at verses 7 and 8, and we see the conditioned personal prayer. So having told us what not to do and what to do, Jesus offers a few more conditions related to our personal prayer lives. That's important. So I don't want you to miss this. This is, this is the application part right here. So verse 7 tells us to refrain from repetition. Refrain from repetition. Now, now what does he mean by that? Pagans, as well as many of the Jews, believe that the Lord would hear them if they repeated their prayers or the same phrase over and over again. And so an example of that is seen in the prophets of Baal there in 1 Kings chapter 18. And, and what the people in Ephesus uh, it speaks of in, in Acts chapter 19. Jesus does not want his people enga engaged in that kind of meaningless repetition in prayer. The same thing occurs still today though. Uh, many Buddhists spin wheels containing written prayers, believing that each turn of the wheel sends that prayer up to their God. Uh, Roman Catholics light prayer candles in the belief that their request will continue to ascend repetitiously to God so long as that candle is lit. We also know that you know, rosaries are used to count off repeated prayers of Hail Mary and Our Father. And the rosary itself came to Catholicism from Buddhism by way of the Spanish Muslims during the Middle Ages. And so certain charismatic groups even in our own day repeat the same words, repeat the same phrases over and over until the speaking degenerates into unintelligible confusion. But if we are not careful, that's exactly what we begin to do in our own way today. We will pray the same prayer after every meal or before every meal. We say the same phrases morning and night in our prayers. We will use the name of God, our Father, our Lord, over and over and over again in prayer just to fill time unconsciously. We are to refrain from repetitious praying of just speaking words because we want to fill the air with something. We're trying anything to keep that prayer going, to, to, to make it a little bit longer, or to make it sound more religious when we pray. That's not what he's looking for. Remember, that is not the length of the prayer that matters, nor is it the eloquence of the words, or even the, the contents of, of the prayer at issue here. The Lord says what matters most is the condition and the attitude of the one doing the praying. It's the motive behind the praying. So let me add that there's nothing wrong with repeating something in a request to the Lord. That's not what we're saying here. It's not thinking about it. It's wrong to enter into that mindless state where prayer becomes something that we do, but not something that we think about. So we think you for your food. Amen. We lay me down to sleep, and we go to sleep. We bless this, bless that, let's go on home. There's nothing other than just us droning on. And to drone on and on in a repetitious manner with mindless praying is an insult to the Lord. Pray what is on your heart. Pray what, what the Lord has placed upon you to, to speak out. Don't just say words. But then look at verse 8. 
rest in your relationship. Jesus reminds us that God is our Father. And as such, he knows what we need before we ask. And he is concerned with that need that it might be met even before we ask. And so some might say, well, if God already knows what we need, then what is the point in us praying in the first place? Well, praying gives God the opportunity to hear from us, his children, to, to hear us express our love for him and our dependence upon him and our, and our faith in him. Uh, Liz Kate oftentimes will come to me and, and she'll, she'll say stuff to me that I already know the answers to. And, and, and you know, she'll, she'll ask me for things that I'm already going to do. <laughs> I already, already planned it. But you know what I love? I love to hear from her because she's my little girl and I want to hear from her and I want to hear her say I love you. I, don't want to, I just want that, that communion with her. Prayer affords God the opportunity to demonstrate his love and power and glory and providence and sovereignty and provision for us as children. And besides prayer, prayers that are not prayed will be prayers that will not be answered. So continue to pray, continue to lift those things up to the Lord. But then also in verse 8, we see rely on his resources. Since he is God and since he is our Father, then we can go to him. We can go to him in confidence and faith, believing that he has the power to answer us when we call upon him. Faith in God through prayer is essential to prayers being answered. So again, this morning, Brinesburg, I believe God can do anything. He's the God of the impossible. And since that is true, we need to be engaged in prayer, resting in his resources and believing in his power and rejoicing in his answers to prayer. So I, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite when it comes to my own personal prayer life. I, I honestly don't want to impress you with, with my prayers. What, what I want to do is I want to develop in a greater way my own private personal prayer life until it's everything that, that God desires for it to be. I want to avoid this hypocr hypocrisy and pretense that Paul talks about here in the prayers of those religious leaders in the first century. How about you? I, I believe most of you would say the same thing. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to be a hypocrite when it comes to prayer. So the, the question comes, is your prayer life all that it should be? Or has the Lord touched some sore spots through his word this morning? If he has, if, if there's areas where you know you need to go deeper in your prayer life, things that you know you need to give over to the Lord, uh, that you need to be more committed to in your prayer life, you can come to this altar this morning. It's a great place to begin that process is to come to this place. If the Lord is calling you to be more powerful, more effective in your prayer life, then, then why not obey him by beginning to be obedient to him in that way this morning? But if you will come to that place where your prayer life honors the Lord, where, where you're doing what he's called you to do, he will bless us in tremendous ways. He'll bless that, that prayer. He'll hear that prayer, and, and we'll see power. But perhaps this morning, the first prayer that you need to pray is a prayer of repentance for salvation. Because you're not going to find power in your prayer life if you don't have a relationship with the Lord. And so maybe today the first prayer needs to be one of, of Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need you to be my Savior and Lord. And if that's you today, I, I pray that you would come, and, and let's talk about that, and let's get that settled. If that's where you are today, then, then there's no reason to put it off for another Sunday. So this morning, as uh, we entered this time of prayer before, before our time of commitment, ask the Lord, how... How can I obediently respond to you this morning and then respond in that way to him today?
Lord, help me, Father, we come to you. And we do thank you for uh, prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us to enter into your presence. We thank you for the fact that you do answer our prayers and you want to hear from us. And Lord, today I, I know that we do have uh, friends. We may have family members that are lost. And I pray that today you would speak to their hearts. And if today uh, the Holy Spirit's moving on them, I, I pray that they would come and they would experience salvation. And Lord, we're going to rejoice in that. Uh, ahead of time, Lord, recognizing that you're the guy who moves and works and that all of it is accredited to you. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and as